Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. and also uh, 
with the world religions uh, in terms of how the author, Stephen Rosen, um, as you know, I always preview books most of the time written by world-renowned authors and some who are actually uh, just local who are getting started with uh, sharing their writings within the community. And But Stephen Rosen happens to be a... Um, uh, a, a very renowned uh, uh, author for the past 15 years, actually going on now 20 years, uh, Stephen has uh, been both a devout vegetarian and an eloquent advocate of uh, the vegetarian idea of diet and live it, as I call it. His articles and books have appeared in several languages, and he is a frequent contributor to such publications as Vegetarian Times, uh, the Marinette, and uh, other quarterly and uh, annually uh, published books and, and papers as such. He's also been an author of, of the newspaper Back to Godhead, which is a monthly magazine, and it's a Vedic cultural and spiritually oriented magazine. And um, he has uh, traveled throughout the world and he was completing his studies. He probably has completed his studies in Hebrew and biblical literature in New York City. And he undertook several extensive tours in the Indian subcontinent, exploring vegetarianism as exposed and exposed rather in Eastern religion and culture. So, I, my wife and I, we, we're both vegetarians. I've been a vegetarian for over 25 years. My wife is approaching, I believe, her sixth year as a vegetarian, and we have been living a very, very uh, sublime, healthy, and uh, very interesting lifestyle uh, with regard to the food that we eat. And it's not just about food, as we uh, have found out. It's also about how you treat your body with proper exercise, a uh, sufficient amount of sleep, uh, my wife uh, came across a ancient uh, Ayurvedic proverb that states that when, when diet is wrong, medicine is of no use. And when diet is correct, medicine is of no need. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I'll repeat that. When diet is wrong, medicine is of no use. And when diet is correct, medicine is of no need. Uh, you know, within is my being an African American man, uh, a man of African descent, I resonate with that. Especially those of us who, uh, regardless of our uh, uh, ethnic background and heritage, that many of us find ourselves not able to afford medicine. Right. Hi, my wife is walking to the studio. Hi, how are you doing, hon? I'm fine. How are you, honey? I'm doing great. Doing great. I'm pretty excited about today's this evening's show. This is an interesting topic. Yes, yes, indeed. I'm looking forward to uh, having uh, uh, subsequent shows because uh, one evening is never enough time to cover something of this magnitude. I know this. This could be so many shows, so many yes. episodes. Well, I see that it's going to be. As a matter of fact, it's going to be really in tangent with the title of my uh, show, which is Grassroots Holistic Health Radio. It's a never-ending, never-ending topic. Mm-hmm. And I think it's even appropriate now, now that we're approaching the, the, the summer mm-hmm. that we concentrate on diet, right, because people tend to be going out and on. I won't use the word uh, 
you know, the picnic, as it were, and we'll get into that. But people tend to go out to um, cookouts, cookouts and, and so family forth. reunions, family reunions, all types of celebrations, and eating food for the most part is left out in the open air. Mm-hmm. So that's another topic of the of discussion. I'm not going to get into it tonight, but we must be very prudent in terms of not only the type of food we eat, but even if you're eating the proper food, that it has to be properly cared for. Hmm? Yes. Okay. So it has to be properly cared for, uh, such as if you're cooking um, items and preparing items such as potato salad, things of that nature where you're using mayonnaise and eggs and and a host of other additives, that uh, if it's left out in the open air, that food that at one time was uh, a healthy item now becomes a poisonous and unhealthy item where you can just get an upset stomach, but worse, the best of all, or should I say the best scenario, getting an upset stomach, the worst scenario, you could be um, so sick that you have to go to the hospital and even lose your life. So... Those are things in which we will discuss, and um, I'm really excited about uh, sharing a lot of the research that my wife has done. Uh, and for those of you who have heard us in that earlier shows, my wife has recovered from diabetes. Uh, she was on insulin. Uh, she was almost in a comatonic, comatonic uh, uh, state, and um, you know it was really a serious situation that she wasn't aware of the fact that she had diabetes. And we found out that millions of people uh, share her, her uh, former predicament of having diabetes but not being aware of it and then finding out uh, by some traumatic emergency uh, event that brings them to the hospital and then being diagnosed with diabetes. So, again, those are things that I will be sharing, my wife will be sharing as well. And uh, I just noticed that my sister's, on the line, and uh, Donis, it's a pleasure to have you with us this evening. Uh, uh, I, I send you love, and I'm looking forward to you hearing the rest of the show, and, and I know that if you could, you would share some thoughts with us, and perhaps in the future you might choose to do that. Um, so, again, Steve, Stephen, who, by the way, I've met personally, I wouldn't say that he's a close friend, but he's a, he's a close colleague as it were. You know, he's, he's a spiritual colleague, which I guess could be a, a, a normal friend without the spiritual aspect. So I'm very, uh, you know, I feel that uh, I'm very fortunate to have had people like Steve Rosen in my life, uh, who many years ago, some 30 years ago, introduced me, was one of the people through the Ishkan community who introduced me to vegetarianism. And I think, no, he would be very proud of me to know that it's been over 26 years that I have been a vegetarian, and a lot of it was due to his influence, uh, personally face-to-face talking with me, and then, of course, with him publishing certain books such as Food for the Spirit, the Vegetarianism and World Religions. Now, let me just start with Christianity and share with you what he states about Christianity uh, as related to, to vegetarianism. Uh, although the New Testament focuses almost exclusively on Jesus, little is known about his diet. There were, however, many early Christians and chronicles of Christian tradition that did support vegetarianism, including such luminaries as St. Jerome, uh, Tertullian, 
St. John, uh, St. Benedict, Clement, um, and, and many a host of others. I even see um, he has a person named John Wesley, uh, to name a few. So, uh, of course, when I see John Wesley, that being my uh, namesake, um, my eyebrows go up. And it seems more fitting that I should be a vegetarian because of the fact that my name is uh, shared within that particular circle. So he goes on to state that like Jesus and the biblical prophets, they taught by their words and deeds. And that, that mercy and compassion should extend to all creatures, a definition far broader than that held by most Christians today. The Bible including the Old Testament since Christianity has its origin in Judaism and it is the best place to begin a study of Christianity and vegetarianism. The Old Testament deals mainly with the Jews receiving the laws of God and later being punished by God for breaking them. The New Testament shows Jesus bestowing God's forgiveness on the truly repentant, stressing that the first and foremost commandment is to love God with all one's heart, mind, and soul. But still, history shows that the uh, commandment was rarely followed, and the Old Testament records that God would often grant a concession and relax certain laws, trying to encourage the lawbreakers to partially follow his commands and thus gradually develop their love for him but the origin, uh, the original dietary laws reveals God's preference. And I quote, And behold, I have given you everything herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of the tree-yielding seed. To you it shall be for food. And God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. Genesis 129, chapter 31, verses 31. If God saw his original dietary law as very good, why did he later give so many instructions for eating flesh? According to Deuteronomy, it was out of compassion for the lustful Israelites. When the Lord thy God shall enlarge thy border, as he hath promised thee, and thou shalt say, I will eat flesh. Because thy soul longeth to eat flesh, thou mayest eat flesh, or whatever so whatsoever thy shall thy soul lusteth after. Deuteronomy chapter two verses twenty. Some people argue that in Genesis nine three the Bible follows humans allows humans rather to eat meat. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Thus, however, is in the account of the great flood when Noah was provided with an expedient in a crisis. As all vegetarians were destroyed, as, I'm sorry, as all vegetation was destroyed, God indeed gave Noah a concession, not a commandment, to eat meat. But the ideal diet, it should be remembered, was given earlier. And God said it was very good. That phrase was never used to describe later diets containing meat. In fact, in, every, in, in the very next verse, Genesis 9, after having given permission to eat every moving thing, 
God reminds us once again that we should ideally not eat meat, or at least the blood. But you should not eat flesh with its life, and that is its blood. And further, the next verse clearly states that the people who kill the animals will in turn be killed by those very same creatures. And your life will I seek in the hand of every creature you slay, unquote. Actually, some scholars observe that when Noah was given the right to eat every moving thing, the exact Greek word used in the uh, surrogate was lepritin, which means reptile. Thus, when no other word was available, God gave him permission to eat custodians and mullets, such as clams and abalone and lobsters and snails. This, in fact, is actually more consistent with Genesis 9, which prohibits Noah from eating animals with blood. He was only allowed cold-blooded creatures, and again, only temporary as a concession. According to author Joseph Benson, it ought to be, quote, it ought to be observed that the prohibition of eating blood given to Noah and all his prosperity and repeated to the Israelites has never been revoked, but on the contrary, has been confirmed under the New Testament, Acts 15. It is thereby a perpetual obligation. And there were many who spoke out in this regard. And it's saying that although some of our brothers would reckon it a crime to shed human blood, they did not think the same about eating animal blood. The apostles, by their degree, wished to remedy the ignorance of these persons. How would such many children, when they are not even allowed to eat the blood of irrational animals? That was stated because there was a time where many who spoke out in this regard, and history relates that when early Christians were accused of eating children. So later during the Trillian Council held in Constantinople in A.D. 692, the following rule was established. The eating of the blood of animals is forbidden in Holy Scripture. The cleric who partakes, who partakes of blood is to be punished by disposition, a layman with excommunication. Returning to Christian roots and the tradition of the Old Testament for a moment, another prohibition against the eating of blood appears in Leviticus 7.26, which says, Moreover, ye shall eat no manner of blood, whether it be a fowl, or beasts in any of your dwellings. Many interpret this as a commandment to drain the blood, or should I say, I'm sorry, to drain the meat of blood and then to eat it anyway. And um, I shall discuss that in the, next week, actually, in a chapter dealing with Judaism and vegetarianism. I will touch upon it briefly, though, before this show ends. There is one other instance of the five books of Moses when God, as a temporary concession, allowed the Israelites to eat meat. But again, this was in dire circumstances. After fleeing Egypt, the Israelites wandered 40, wandered 40 years in the wilderness, and God provided food in the form of manna, the staff of life, a miraculous vegetarian substance that provided every life-sustaining element, every life-sustaining element needed. But the Israelites tired of manna. The Bible tells us, for God arranged to give the children of Israel meat in the form of quail. 
So why quail, you may ask? Well, there was some hidden teaching uh, that God was trying to convey. Numbers um, 11, chapters 18, verses 34, reveals the answer. In verse 20, God tells them to eat flesh until it comes out of your nostrils and it becomes lonesome to you. Verse 33 tells us that before the flesh was even between your teeth, a great plague struck them down. In effect, they were allowed to change and died, but God was clearly dissatisfied with their choice. The burial places of these Israelites, incidentally, have traditionally been referred to as the graves of lust because they desired something they did not need, thus being meat. And centuries later, when this small Jewish sect called Christianity came into being, it adopted several of the attitudes and traditions of its parent faith, including meat-eating. But there have been some very important exceptions, both in Judaism and Christianity, and the vegetarian tradition played a significant role in the lives of many Christians. And he goes on to state that, that Christian uh, vegetarians uh, were a unique sect of people. And I see that we only have six. Actually, we have about ten more minutes to go. So I might touch upon that. But I just wanted to deviate, uh, or should I say, go away from the, uh, the text of the book that I'm reading by uh, Brother Stephen. And just state that, indeed, it is my knowledge that uh, there are many uh, religious orders uh, such as within the Jewish community and the Islamic community, uh, the Seventh-day Adventists, I believe, also, where they, before they eat the meat or cook the meat and eat it, they process the meat by cleaning it in a very special way with salt water, um, uh, sea salt, rather, and, and, and clarified water, and also, before that, the animals are hung up uh, so that the blood is drained out of them. And then there's a uh, ritual of washing, I think, at least three times. And, of course, the person who's assigned to kill the animals uh, within the village, within the community, is a ordained, ordained priest or minister, someone who has a spiritual uh, background and, and learning that allows him to be the intercessor between the animal that is being killed and the Most High. You know, so there's this is not taken lightly. Uh, and of course, when the meat is cooked, there's no blood in it. And of course, when it's eaten, uh, one is not consuming blood; you're consuming flesh. However, we find that fast forward to the present day, many of us who do eat meat, are eating meat that contains blood. Not only that, the blood has um, a certain amount of uh, adrenaline in it. The animal knows that it's about to be killed. What happens when you become frightened as a human being? You know, we know that we have that state of, of, of flight or fight. And the adrenaline is released through the hormone, I forget what the hormone is the, uh, in that part of the brain, but it goes throughout your bloodstream. So that animal who's just been killed has released that adrenaline through its bloodstream. And, of course, those of us who eat this meat are consuming an inordinate uh, amount of adrenaline, 
Uh, and that's, uh, and some schools of thought says that that's one of the explanations why we have uh, such high crime rate and uh, high divorce rate uh, and other uh, families, uh, reasons for families being uh, broken up and people uh, not being satisfied with their life because of the fact that they're hyper, they're not calm, uh, needless to say they don't meditate, they don't pray, at least if not uh, for this one day of the week, like Christians on Sunday and the Jews and Muslims on Friday. So there's a whole uh, menagerie of reasons why uh, one can say certain parts of the world, such as here in the Western society, we might have such a disposition, uh, which might be more so negative than not, because of the fact that we eat meat. Of course, there are some areas in the world where people are vegetarians, and they have their wars and, and divorces and uh, disruptions in the family and in the community. So the argument still bears some examination in terms of critical analysis. But I just thought I would share that. This is food for thought, no pun intended, so that indeed we can understand that you are what you eat for the most part. And, of course, for those of us who are proactive and wanted to uh, – utilize this particular body that we have, which is on loan uh, for the soul to house, be, to house the soul until we uh, transpire and go into another journey of reincarnation, that it behooves us to take as much care of this body which is on loan to us as much as possible. And vegetarianism is one of the most optimum ways of doing that. I'm always amazed when I talk to some people who have, as an example, a nice car. And uh, you ask them, well, what type of gas are you using? So I use, you know, supreme, I use super gas. Or I don't use regular gas because my car tank can't take it. If I use regular gas, the engine wouldn't last that long. And, of course, they state that I am on top of it. You know, I always do an oil change. I get a tune-up every six months or every so many miles and so forth. And they really are, you know, almost fanatical about the care of their car. But that same person, say some of the men that I know in my life, uh, they have, if they're over 50 years of age, you know, I'm 68. If they're in my age group, they, a lot of them, most of them for the most part, have pot bellies, you know. And sometimes I have to be a little hesitant when I start talking about that in terms of recon telling them that, one of the reasons why they have that pot belly, which in some circles they may call the trippies playground, is because of the fact that indeed they have uh, uh, undigest, or should I say, feces or meat that hasn't been digested, that is clogged in, 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 in their intestines, and um, that they are sick because of the fact that their body is toxic. And of course, uh, those of us who are fortunate to have good genes and who played sports and had a healthy diet because of our parents and so forth in the family, um, we might go for years without the body responding to that toxicity. But like in car that has an engine that is not serviced correctly, that has the wrong gas, uh, the wrong velocity of mixture of gas, um, the oil that is of the wrong velocity, the spark plugs that are not changed and so forth, that that car can be predicted that it within uh, what they call embedded obsolescence, 
will break down within five years. So you multiply that by 10, and it has been proven by scientific analysis by those who really uh, are advocates of vegetarianism or eating a healthy diet, say that by the time you turn 50, if we're eating the way that the society, those in power, state that we should eat, those three meals a day, you know, including certain meats, baking eggs and, and, and so forth, and uh, the steak, you know, at night and what have you, some of it, the steak being rare, not even cooked. They say nothing of the blood not being drained out. That over a course of years, times five times ten, by the time you're 50, your body is going to show the results. It's going to start breaking down. So, and then, of course, God forbid that you might now have some life-threatening illness uh, at, at worst, and at best you have some illness that would require you to change your diet because if you don't, there is no option that you will seconds. To live. So uh, the subsequent shows will be exploring those areas of thought, and uh, we will have more time to, to give for that. And again, I invite you to uh, visit my wife's uh, website, which is spiritchange.com. Um, she has a solution called the Diabetic Solution, and it allows one to experience their blood uh, sugar level 60 seconds. within uh, three days. And it's something that she's been using for quite a while now, and it has helped her with her cure, uh, being cured from diabetes. And I invite you again to visit her site, which is spiritchange.com. And, of course, my site for the drums, which is drumsofchange.com, www.drumsofchange.com. I feel that every family should have a drum in the house, especially if you have children. And I will talk about that in more detail in our next show. So I end as I open by giving uh, thanks to the Most High. And we say, dear God, we give this evening to you. May our minds stay centered on the things of spirit and goodness. May we not be tempted to stray from love. As we begin this week, we open to receive you. Please enter where you already abide. Ten. Mind, hearts be pure and true, and may we not deviate from the things of goodness. May we see the love and innocence in all mankind behind the masks we all wear and the illusions of this worldly plane. We surrender to you our doings this evening and this week. We ask only that they serve you and the healing of the world, and may we bring your love and goodness with us to give out to others wherever we go. Make us the people you, the people you would have us be, direct our footsteps and show us what you would have us do. Make the world a safer, more beautiful place, and bless all your creatures. Heal us all, and use us, dear Lord, that we might know the joy of being used by you. I say namaste to all. Assalamu alaikum. One love, peace, and blessing. God bless, and thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.